no chance. What's up, everybody? Episode 54 of the No Chance Podcast. As always, your hosts, Ryan and Nate. And we also have Melanie on this week's episode. She was featured very briefly on last week's episode. So welcome to the podcast this week, Melanie. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, real quick, again, I, and I feel like I have to do this in every episode, and I always say this, but it's it's whatever, because we really appreciate you guys' listening. Um, we actually pay attention to the numbers very, very closely. And when we fall off, we get upset with with ourselves, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think so. Did that sound convincing? <laughs> no. Oh. It's like we're just hella lackadaisical. We're just like, like eh, right, we failed whatever. this month, yeah. whatever. Right, we'll come whatever. back next week. <laughs> yeah, we got it. Um, but thank you guys for listening every week. We really appreciate it. Keep reaching out to us on on social and just give us like a, a dice emoji, a thumbs up, something. Something that like, where we, you can indicate that you're, you're listening. You know what I mean? It shows um, that you're alive. Yeah. You have a yeah. pulse. It's, it says we have all these listens on our episode, but we get like a person or two people follow. Like we have like a hundred followers on Instagram. That doesn't really match up. So yeah, there's there's people in hiding out there that don't want to admit that they listen to our podcast. Maybe it's, okay. it's like secret haters yeah. or something. You know what I it's mean? It's fun. Um, but yeah, thank you guys uh, for following us every week. We really appreciate it. The first thing I want to bring up, and I didn't mention it to uh, to to both of you, because I wanted to see your like initial reactions. Um, I read an article recently about none other than Virgil Abloh. And he says, I am not a designer. In, obviously, the, the quotation marks, I am not a designer. In all caps. <laughs> it, literally, in all Helvetica caps. Helvetica font. As, you know, we follow every, every little move that he does, and obviously he is a designer. But why would he come across, or why would he not want to take on that title as a designer in, I guess, in an, in an actual role? Maybe doesn't consider it as a job, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. I just... Part of me feels like... I don't know. I feel like every designer says that they're not a designer. Like, oh, I don't design things. I just make stuff. That... Why is that? Why, why, do, why, do you, why do people feel the need to stay away from that specific title? Well, I feel like they don't want to be put in a box. You know, if you're a designer, you stick to just designing. Whereas, like, he's, I guess, creating instead of designing. So there's a difference. He's yeah. doing a lot more. That's true. Yeah. Very good point. I, I think that's a good point in regards to like people think that um, at least within the fashion world, everyone is one dimensional and you're supposed to stay that way. That's why Kanye continues to get so much flack for what he does. It's because, no, you're a rapper. You stay in that lane. Don't come over here and do fashion. But nowadays, like, I feel like people are so well versed in other shit, like especially with designers like Virgil DJs. He... He has. He obviously designs. He does other shit. I'm sure, but that's probably why. Yeah, you know, he doesn't want to get that flack saying, "Oh, like, why is a designer DJing?" So, but it's okay to like have like you know how with, with within your Instagram bio you say like what everything you are. I'm a Libra. I'm a college grad. What whatever. Like it all. You can all. You could be a bunch of different things. I don't. I guess like mentally he feels like if he considers himself a designer, then everyone's gonna kind of like simplify it to like. Okay, you're just a designer, but 
if you really know him, then you know he does other shit too. Well, if you think of it, think of it this way: like he never went to school for design. Well, okay, he went to school for architecture, but not fashion design. Mm. It's two very different things. So maybe he feels, and this is just like speculation, but maybe he feels like he's not a quote unquote designer because he hasn't. Exactly. Like on he hasn't paper. done this on paper. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. That makes sense. I'll, I'll yeah. give him that. Then, like, if you're if you're really if you're really looking at it super literal, and it's like, I'm really not a designer. I'm just a guy that kind of learned it as I went, and I just created cool shit. So I, I mean, I can understand that. I mean, it's just it's just weird because the sentiment amongst a lot of people within streetwear nowadays is, and it maybe it's just a trend of just like people being so multifaceted and other like creative things it's nobody wants to be a single thing anymore back then everybody was like your title held you in high regard in regards to the entire industry like oh i'm the creator of this brand i'm the yeah. mm-hmm. like with within the hundreds they they separate themselves bobby is like the creative director and ben is like the business guy right but obviously they both have inputs in each other's realms, but they don't, I guess, necessarily excel in, in each of them. Well, also, if you think about it, like when I think of the word designer in terms of fashion, like I'm thinking of big names like Tommy Hilfiger, Ralph Lauren, like Ralph Simmons, like whoever else like you can name. And maybe to Virgil, he doesn't feel as if he's at that level. Mm. He doesn't feel as if designers a fitting title if he's not in the same league as you know as these other designers that you know are like household names so he doesn't want to be held to that standard not that he doesn't want to be held to that standard but maybe he just feels like he's not at that point yet do you think it's nerve-wracking then to be the the head or the lead menswear designer for louis vuitton and for people to constantly assume that he's going to reinvigorate the brand and change everything and instill this whole new like streetwear aspect to it is that a bit of pressure then to say like no i'm not a designer i'm just a a cool guy that has a lot of you know great ideas so don't expect is it like a don't expect too much type of thing no i don't think it's that i just think it's more so like him maybe i mean again this is not 100 percent. i'm just kind of taking a speculation yeah exactly um but maybe he's just trying to be humble, you know? Maybe he just doesn't want to be held in the same regard as all those designers that I mentioned because, like I said, like, he hasn't... He Maybe he feels like he hasn't really proved himself yet to be mentioned in the same space as, like, like I said, like a Tommy Hilfiger, a Ralph Lauren, like, et cetera. He hasn't had that 10-year Yeah, exactly, yep. exactly. I think that's fair then, but, I mean, obviously, if he had, like, a fucking LinkedIn profile, it would literally say he is a designer. On paper, then, he is a designer, but maybe not by education or formal education all that all that other shit and then it would have like his fucking astrological sign yeah. and then it'd have like three and then it would have like three of those like a hundred emojis yeah. Like after, yeah. and then just like a, a white circle yeah <laughs> that's it yeah. um but yeah and another piece i wanted to touch on real quick um as we trot along here um because we have topics we're, we're structured now um i wanted to talk about this sort of transition between um trade show and fucking what do, what would you call it Ex- like experiences now yeah so i guess it's like, like a, a can like a like a convention or like a trade show trade show convention experience experience concert. what do you call like those like 
those museums, like Museum of Ice Cream, what do you call like those sort of things? Like, those aren't those aren't actual museums. They're like they're like experiential things. Experiential. Like, <laughs> like, experiential. Sounds like some acid, like yeah. LSD type <laughs> shit. I don't know, like you experience it. You, you yeah, you. It's like an interactive yeah. um, something. But um, one of the reasons why we wanted to touch on this is because. Um, I guess an article came out recently about Hypebeast throwing what is called Hypefest, which is Kevin Ma, who is the founder of Hypebeast, throwing like its first full-on Hypebeast-sponsored, I'm just going to keep using the word experience because I have no other way of describing it, but um, if you all know or have heard of things like ComplexCon, Agenda, um, things like SneakerCon, Soul ex- Dunk Exchange. There's yeah. there's there's a shit ton of them. StockX Day is like another good example. These are experiences where the buying, selling, and trading of goods, and also just like exposing of brands typically takes place. Mm-hmm. Now this wasn't always how it used to be, and the origins of why these shows came to be is because of trade shows, or that's that the sort of origin of a lot of these things and. Trade shows, would you say, are like primarily just, it's like a business business perspective yeah. of the industry? It's like um, brands kind of showing other brands like what they have to offer for the new season. And if they want to have like, um, I guess, a contract with like a bigger store, they can like make, you know, make business. So it's like, um, it's like a business to business perspective where you have brands showcasing and then you have, I think it's... Um, like retailers or, or wholesalers, like yeah. people that want to mm-hmm. buy and throw their shit in your store. Yeah. yeah, you have like buyers. So for instance, like at, for example, like one of the biggest trade shows for menswear agenda, you have, you might have like a menswear buyer from Barney's or like from whatever, like other yeah. department store. They go there, they kind of check out what brands they like might fit into their store and then they basically, it's basically them like reaching a deal, like, hey, okay, we'll buy your, we'll buy your products to sell in our store, blah blah blah, you know, stuff like that. So. Yeah. So do they have that type of thing? Because you work for like a like a higher fashion retail yeah. company. Do they have ones for those types of companies, or is it just like, so for like a, like a business like Acne Studios? Yeah. They have retailers all over the world, other than their like own brick and mortar store. Yeah. Do they have? Do they attend these things or? Yeah. So there are buyers. There are also buyers for like brands like that too. So after production, they can pick and choose what items they're bringing mm. into retail. So some items might go to wholesalers like a Barney's, for instance, or like a Neiman, like a Neiman Marcus, or whatever, or Saks. And then other items will actually go to that brand's like actual stores and online store. If uh, that makes sense. Yeah. Totally makes sense. Yeah. And the reason why I bring that up is because Hype Fest, stupid fucking motorcycles. Hype Fest is, is trying to stay away from this idea of being another experience. I guess um, a lot of the flack that we've been hearing about things like ComplexCon and Agenda is that it's very launch based or like product based which is come to the event wait in this line for four or five hours and get this product that will probably release in another month or so um you've been to complex con melanie yeah tell me tell the people how sort of like daunting that experience is because you had you had expectations for like the first one the first ever complex con and then going to that what was the sort of like change or like what did you actually experience well, I mean, 
when complex first announced they were gonna have a complex con like i myself was just like super hyped because i've always wanted to go to agenda that was like a dream you know just to be able to see like what brands can offer so of course like when complex like had that thing my I guess expectation going in was like okay I'm gonna see like some brands that I know and also like new brands maybe I can talk to them it would be like an intimate type of experience but when I went there it was just like this like big ass like shit show yeah the first year was actually better than the second year um but when I went it was just like long ass lines to like to cop anything like the gift shop for complex con was like a four-hour wait wow so I didn't even like want to bother with that but i think it's because the way it was marketed people like not i guess not me but like other people were thinking in their head i'm gonna go to this thing so i can get exclusive stuff so i can resell it yeah and that's kind of like what is ruining it in my opinion because there are a lot of like smaller brands that go to these things that like want to get their name out there and want to actually like talk to like real people or real fans but because everyone's waiting in line for something, you kind of miss out on the whole thing. Like, I wasn't able to go to any of the discussions or, like, experience, like, the small, like, boots. And that's kind of, like, what I regret not doing. But I wasn't in line waiting either. It yeah. was, it's just, like, I don't know. The but troubling piece with that is that originally trade shows were business to business so you're pitching your stuff to a business that's then going to sell to a consumer but now with these experiences complex con agenda show it's very direct to consumer so your consumer comes there and these are the people that are going to be logging onto your website and viewing and they want to touch everything and make sure this is something that they actually want to buy so now the incentive when you have these I can't even call them trade shows anymore. When you have these experiences is let's release exclusive product. Let's make something new for people to buy. Let's do something completely different to make sure that people come to our booth because it's all about trying to vibe, like trying to incite attention to your area because you're pulling from everywhere. And if you don't get it, then nobody's going to go on your website. Nobody's going to have any of that brand recognition for when you become poppin' at some point. It's basically like 50 pop-ups under one roof. If you think about exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and it, it's, it's a competition at this point, right? Yeah. Like of course some brands are, are probably friends with other brands and they probably have done collaborations for that particular event. But for those no name brands that are maybe like independent or maybe a one man person that does the whole show, I kind of feel bad for them. Because, I feel bad too. Yeah, because they put on a lot of a lot of work to first of all, get a booth, because it's not easy to just get a booth at, at some of these shows. Because I mean, how many fucking brands are there out in the fucking world? for you know too many yeah right so like to to get a booth is already hard enough and then to to put together an entire collection and then to like try to get people to come to your booth like you would have to offer something for free or uh, with a collaboration or um offer merch that's a collaboration with some already well-known brand right yeah mm-hmm. so that just brings up this whole hype fest thing which is trying to separate itself from that of like agenda and complex con to be more of like an educational experience from at least from what I read. Right. So they'll have people that don't normally go to, um, well, you'll have your, 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 the same old people. You have the, uh, the Hiroshi Fujiwara there. You'll have the Jeff staple, you'll have the Bobby and Ben, but you'll also have the, like the, the Sarah Andelman from Colette and you'll have, 
probably other people that don't normally go to like experiences. Yeah, yeah, right? Exactly. And it's more of like a, a place where you hear like thought leadership and you know, how to build a brand conceptual things that people can apply. It's like, uh, it's like going to a Ted talk. Exactly. Yeah. And I Ted think yeah. that's such a cool area for, for hype beast because they are like the leading resource for all this shit, right? They're yeah. the ones that cover the complex con and all that other stuff. So they have to separate themselves by carving out a lane to where they're like, yeah, we're not, we're going to release cool shit because that's what you guys expect. And if you got, you guys aren't just going to come to a bunch of Ted talks. I would. Well, I mean, I would too. Right. Yeah. But you're not, we're not going to just sort of like real people in that way. So we'll release merch in a special way. Maybe. Oh, actually they said that they were going to release merch online. That's better. That's smart. Yeah. yeah. So re- release this special merch for the experience for hype fest online and then have this experience of like interviews and discussions and talks at the actual event. And I think that's really cool. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think so. Um, A different way of doing it. Yeah. I mean, I myself, I've never been to complex con. Um, After just hearing stories of this past complex con, I was kind of like turned off by it just because again, it just seemed more product based than anything. And you know, if I'm paying how much are tickets? Like 85 starting. Oh, it's not that bad. Uh, It's okay, actually. But I mean, if I'm paying money to buy other things, then what's the point, really? Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, it's cool. I get cool stuff. I could keep it. I could sell it. But what, like, what other sort of value am I getting from that? So I'd rather have some sort of like experience where I can have something both tangible and like intangible, like knowledge or something like that to take away. That's a good point. Because, like, my intention of uh, me and you discussed it, Nate, of like going to Complex Con and networking and potentially meeting some of our idols and asking them questions that, you know, we may not ever get a response to on like Twitter or Instagram and like having that as a takeaway rather than just like an Instagram snapshot of me and some model. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's not that wouldn't be our purpose, but everybody it's, has different purposes of going. For there. instance, it's like if you went to like a new city that you've never been to for like the first time and you just went to the gift shop and you didn't even like see the sites or you didn't even like experience anything. You just went straight to the gift shop, buy your gifts and you're like, oh, okay, like that was my trip. I'm ready to go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you just went home. Yeah, that's a good point. You know? and, and I mean, um, I hope that we can uh, potentially go to this hype fest. It sounds really awesome. It's free. That's a, the biggest selling point for me. It's not free to fly to New York. <laughs> I think that's interesting how it's free yeah because like i don't know what are they thinking i guess like how are they gonna generate business for this or like i guess what is what is their end goal with this festival and like why why is it free and like what is their their purpose if it if it is well i mean like they're gonna get money obviously from people wanting to be there like brands are gonna pay them to be like hey okay this brand is gonna be here at hype fest so they're gonna get money from exactly they're gonna get money from that. Um, I'm sure there's gonna be other ways for them to make money at Hype Fest, whether it's like merch or like whatever. Um, but I don't know. Honestly, like I didn't really read too. There's not really much information yeah, about it. They like keep it being, very yeah. low key, just to not. It's so funny to think that Hypebeast isn't trying to build hype around something. <laughs> but I think the great thing about Hypebeast as a brand in sort of how they've maneuvered around all of this sort of like supreme and like all this other shit that's sort of typical for you know a brand a 
and uh, I would call hype beast at this point like a what do you call it like a what do you call hype beast a publication a publication online publication online publication to like cover all this hype shit and just be clickbait hundred percent of the time but they've actually like they've cr- sort of progressed and transitioned themselves into being like a like a good resource for information like they're no longer like the Wikipedia of streetwear where you just go in there you see a bunch of like just random shit like every like i'm at one point i'm not sure if they do this anymore i think they kind of died down on it but it would be like 13 14 straight posts of the most recent supreme preview Mm -hmm. and it would be like this post is like all the hats all the the bottoms (laughs) like it would just be ridiculous but i think what they're trying to do with this event is turn it into something as like you know, we get it where we started off as like this like information machine of just pushing out like all this shit. But now we're trying to tailor ourselves into being like like a premium resource for streetwear stuff and not necessarily looking as tacky as it used to. Because think about it. People don't go to Hypebeast as much because the idea of forums died and social media kind of arose. So it's hard to like, how do you bring traffic to our place? And when we have like a a nice kicks, a high snobody, freshness bag. Even Instagram pages itself are like their own blogs in a sense. So how do we separate ourselves? Well, we've been in this game for, I would say like 20 years, almost 15 years. We know more than a lot of other people. So why not express that? And I think that's what they're doing. So kudos to them. Kudos to Hype, Hype Fest. Yeah. I'm excited to see what it's actually like. And I'm excited um, to, to go. If we get if we get a chance yeah, to go, yeah, and if we do, man, we'll uh, we'll definitely have we'll something have a, to talk we'll about. Live, we'll have a live podcast. Ooh, that would be sick. Hypefest. That would be sick. But I guess this kind of leads into the next conversation as well. When we talk about collaborations and we talk about um, sort of these experiences where collaborations take place, because just last week and it kind of was it's kind of late notice, but I think it's good to talk about just because it happened actually during the recording of our last episode is um kith kith park um it's i want to provide some context but it's basically kith's is it like a yearly show seasonal show um i th- ah, that's a good question i would assume it happens once twice? a year twice i mean twice a year okay most fashion shows happen like twice a year like spring summer fall winter but this so is I'm like assuming... a large this was like a large important one so but it was part of new york fashion week so i don't yeah. know if it's like its own next spring summer i don't know anyways kith park takes place at some point multiple times in a year (laughs) i guess but um so it just happened fairly recently for new york fashion week as mel said and um within this one which is a very special one because fashion shows particularly particularly showcase that of the brand's collections it's very rarely that they do like collaborations within a fashion show but within this one kith actually did three three, (laughs) which is unprecedented but it's it's cool mind you like the whole streetwear having a fashion show during new york fashion week let's talk about that first okay let's talk about that because having a fashion show in itself is already super bourgeois like that is like you have to be a brand that has been established for however amount of time to even have people come to your shit. Yeah. But now brands have such an easier time of, of exposing themselves and brand identity and brand awareness is so much easier nowadays with social media that you could have one collection and then following year you could have a fashion show runway. Well, 
what I know, what I know from fashion shows, is, well, at least in Paris, like you have to be voted in, but there's like a council of like different members and you have to be voted in as a brand. I just immediately thought of star Wars. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Fucking Jedi. Yeah. Like you have to be voted in. And then once you're in, you can't be kicked out basically wow. unless you leave, but and that's so, only for, so, you get, so that means you get one every year or every season. Yeah. If you, if you choose to, Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. So that's, you know, that's, I'm assuming that's how New York fashion week works too. Yeah. But I mean, nonetheless, it's, it's still really big for like a streetwear brand, a sneaker yeah. store at that. Oh yeah. Um, to hold a fashion show during one of the biggest fashion weeks of the year, New York Fashion Week. Like, that's crazy. Okay, so then the question is, and before we get into, like, the the, uh, the inside of what t- took place at the, at the Kith Park Fashion Show, let's talk about Kith in general being in a fashion show. So Kith starts out as, like you said, kind of like a sneaker retailer, like yeah. clothing brand, somewhat sneaker boutique store in, in New York City and kind of expands from there, becoming one of the like most spread out sneaker boutique retail experience stores in the entire country. Yeah. For the I most mean, part. how many stores do they have? They have they have two in New York. I think one in Soho and one in they have one in Brooklyn. Yeah. Or, they have yeah. Miami and Miami, LA. Los LA. Angeles. Yeah. yeah, and they're on a very reputable scale. Uh, Ronnie Feig has done like, some amazing collaborations. Literally revived that of what New Balance, Asics, Asics. Puma. Saucony. So, dude, crazy. crazy like yeah. You're talking about shoes that were being sold at Big Five, like the exact models. Yeah. And just fucking the whole thing was just pushed to a whole other level. So as a creative, he's obviously amazing. We can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. But... In regards to like how they move as a brand, let's talk about the brand real quick. How yeah. the brand moves as as a whole, we've seen a lot of collaborations, and those collaborations come fast. Yeah, and they always sell out. I don't know why. Can, do Do you guys like his Do you like Kit's collaborations? And then I almost consider it whoring yourself out because that's a lot of collaborations. Yeah. People almost forget about their normal collections sometimes, and they were the originators of joggers at the time like redoing that piece and like you almost like utility pants at some point mm-hmm. so what do you feel about kith as a brand and like their their collaborations i i l- like them as a brand i don't love them i as thought a you brand. were gonna say low. <laughs> no. you held on to that l really long no. <laughs> i like them as a brand i'm not you know 100 percent moved by it but i think it it works for like a certain type of consumer you know it may not be for me like a hundred percent of the time, but I can appreciate what they're doing and, and how they're doing it at such a big scale again for coming from a sneaker boutique and a streetwear store. Like it's, it's just, it's really amazing. It's hard not to admire how far they've come. Um, so yeah, I mean in that sense, yeah, I, I like what they're doing and, I don't know. Not everything's for me. Not everything's for everybody else. That's true. What What do you think? What's your take? I mean, yeah, their collaborations is a lot, and they're random. Like, I still don't get the whole, like, Coca-Cola one. It's dope, but one, how did that happen? How do you get a collab with a beverage company? Ooh, I have the answer for that. Why did, like, how does it sell out every time? Like, it's crazy. It's, I don't know, but it's cool. Like, I think Kith is, like, it's quirky, and I think because they do so many different things, they cater to a lot of different people. You know, they make household items, they do accessories, they do cut and sew. And personally, I prefer like their basics over their collabs just because 
it's simple and it's good quality. Yeah, I agree. What do you? Okay, you're about to say something about soda collaborations. Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't know where your uh, expertise lies in this, but please elaborate. Know. Go ahead. Well, Ronnie Fayeg is really good friends with Tommy Hilfiger, oh. and Tommy Hilfiger actually used to design the apparel for Coca-Cola, like That's back in crazy. the 80s and 90s. You know all those like Coca-Cola rugby's that yeah, those people are, are like wearing out, yeah. and like thrifting all like these days now. Yeah, uh, Tommy Hilfiger designed those. So, damn. It's okay. like a natural like that partnership, like Things Coca-Cola. You know. And that brings up like what we're going to be talking about next with like the collaborations that they're doing with these other brands, which are um, Versace, Versace, and Tommy Hilfiger, Tommy Hilfiger, and, Hilfiger and, and who's Greg, the, Greg, Greg Lauren. Lauren. <laughs> not even Ralph. Uh, yeah, not even. Yeah. It's the cousin, I believe, nephew. of of nephew of Ralph. So he's he's from a, a, a he's like an uncle. He's like his uncle, basically. Yeah. So damn, not even like a full, like real, like not even kin. It's just yeah. lower. But I think, I think the reason why, and this is my opinion, the reason why I think the Kith Coca-Cola collaboration works and all these other collaborations work is because Kith and Ronnie Fayeg and his whole like crew, his whole team, you know, Teddy Santis, his little brand, they're all very sentimental about the 90, 80s and 90s because that's the era that they grew up in. And these brands were huge during that era. So Tommy Hilfiger, of course, like yeah. Polo, you know, like I said, Versace the makes sense. Yeah, too. Versace, yeah. like yeah. had its heyday in the in the '90s yeah. when Gianni Versace was around. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah, uh, really good, really good. Uh, fucking show on Netflix by the or not Netflix. It's uh, the um, like the mystery mystery of how he got he was yeah. assassinated. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah damn everybody go watch that yeah but like yeah to, to, your, to your point which is like really crazy is that kith doesn't like doesn't push that idea of like 90s nostalgia yeah it's just kind of woven in very subtly through collaborations and that's the one thing i think i wish that ronnie like held that brand within that space because obviously if you look at a supreme if you look at a stussy it's that they ooze the '90s. They like ooze you, like it's like nostalgia. You get that sense. Like you, you look at it and you're like, "Oh, that's like," and it's sure. like effortless, yeah. like yeah. right? Because you don't, you wouldn't think they knew otherwise. But when you look at a Kith, it's like, "Oh, they're doing a brand. They're doing a collaboration with Coca-Cola. Like, what a reach!" But it's like, no, like Ronnie has deep roots in this '90s nostalgia, and that's why he's doing it. But it's hard when it's not like pushed into your face for you to know and it's it's hard because kith isn't a brand that's from the 90s like it's, exactly. it's from today like this era so when you look at a stussy when you look at a supreme you you automatically get that sense of like oh this is 90s culture because it, it is like that's yeah. that's what it was they were that's alive before it exactly, yeah exactly so that makes a lot of sense and and i think like don't get me wrong like kith as a brand is amazing right but and this is this always brings uh, uh, up a, a concern whenever i see a brand especially um when you when you have a brick and mortar store and you're your individual brand right like a kith a concepts a bodega sometimes the collaborations overlook that of your own stuff so sometimes people don't even care about kith's personal collection they care about that collaboration that takes place eight times a year or like with um with like a concepts they want every single um collaborative shoe like there are people out there that will collect every single concepts collaboration no matter what it is because their concepts loyal and so with kith i feel like 
the collaborations outshine that of the company itself because you only ever see Kith's name connected to something else. Yeah. You think that's a negative thing though? It can be if it's a hundred percent of the time mm-hmm. what's going on, you know, like, like for instance, like we always talk, we always talk shit about like Bape and how they collaborate with literally yeah. everybody under the sun. Yeah. Like, and they, they don't have to, yeah, they don't have to, like they can still, you know, they can still move product with or without another brand name attached to, uh, attached to it. But, um, I don't know. I think for Kith it's, it's always hit or miss. Like, it'll it's sometimes it's a really successful collaboration and sometimes I'm just like, Again, I have that vape sentiment. Like, okay, well, cool, but what? Well, yeah, like, what's going on here? Yeah, you know? and what always gets me confused is like, you know how when you see like Supreme will just directly rip something that yeah. of like an actual brand. Like, for example, like they'll rip like Morton Salt logo and just put Supreme there, right? Mm-hmm. I've always questioned whether or not like why wouldn't Ronnie just like play off of that of like. I have all these 90s influences and nostalgia. I'm going to just make designs that represent the things that I love rather than actually doing collaborations with them. That way you get the sentiment of like, oh yeah, Ronnie is a 90s person. Like his brand is a 90s brand. Well, I think Ronnie is very, very much a calculated person. Like if you ever seen interviews with him, he's very like precise with what he does. He doesn't do things just to do things. I think Supreme is one of those brands where that's sort of their MO. They're like, fuck it, we'll just do it because we can. Whereas Ronnie's like, no, I, I can do it if I wanted to, but also like I want to do it because it has some sort of purpose. In the right way. In the right way, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm sure Supreme gets a shit ton of cease and desist for all their rips of, <laughs> of a ton of stuff. But I think with, with Ronnie, and one of the things that I admire the most is his ability to remain or to have a sense of professionalism while also representing an area that wasn't or representing an era that wasn't that professional or professional looking. Right. So like at the time where everything was kind of rugged things with like, um, with like Versace and Tommy were done in like more. So the, the, the hip hop space of like being worn in fucking every rapper possible had, had all that stuff on. So he's like kind of like retailoring the brands to give it more of like a, a modern look, but also, that of like people just want new shit yeah so it actually works nowadays because versace releasing a collection like right now and nobody's gonna buy it because versace is they're old like yeah. they're cool rappers aren't rapping about them anymore migos came Shout out migos. that song back yeah. in whatever 2008 or, or something like that yeah they're not rapping about it anymore so it's it's we're off that now but now that he brought it back in a street work with a streetwear sensibility and he gave it some life with just re revived logos and just like more of like a modern appeal Then, shit. That's all we really want to true. Where it's just new shit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it kind of goes back to this thing that we always talk about when we're talking about collaborations. It's always about two brands kind of like reaching out to different sets of consumers that they may not have appealed to before. So for instance, like in Versace collaborating with Kith by having like a Kith collaboration Versace's reaching like a whole different demographic. Oh yeah, of, they like, benefit kids. off that. Yeah, they exactly. Eat, and eat off. And that. the same with Kith too. You know, like okay, I'm sure not every person who rocks like head to toe Versace is gonna be like, oh Kith, like okay, I could be down with that. I'm sure that's not the case, but yeah. at least it gets them thinking about okay, Versace is like a really well known brand. Who is Kith then? 
then at least it puts their name in in their head you know yeah yeah and you think about the names of like a kith and a versace you got a kith down here let's let's visually draw a line right that line is zero you have a you have a kith in the streetwear space which is like a negative five let's make some bar graphs right and then you have a versace they may not be as relevant but they have a very like long-standing brand name they're about a 10 right yeah you do that collaboration that versace or that versace comes down a little bit and that kith comes up and you meet right there in the middle and you both are eating off of like two different um two different demographics that you never thought you would ever reach yeah and to be honest the streetwear company always loses a little bit not necessarily loses but they they just they don't really go anywhere i think it's always the brand that collaborates with them that ends up winning in the end because they need the help yeah because that's where the culture is now the streetwear people are the ones with the spending money the generation z etc so we're actually, we are the ones that people shouldn't be investing in at this point, right? Yeah. So somebody invest in this podcast. Cause Seriously. <laughs> we need funds. NPR invest in us. Yeah. Uh, CNN. Who like Larry really King. Good. Vice. He's like, we need you guys, yeah. man. We need you guys. Nah, I'm trying to be on Showtime with Jesus and Mero. <laughs> we could be there. That's fine. That's real money. That's TV money. Um, but I think, I mean, I think we're good, man. I think that, that was a good, good sort of, or, sort of overview. Like we said, streetwear news moves slowly and things may or may not happen and we just kind of pull shit out of the air yeah and we move slowly too so we we definitely move slowly so um just off that any you guys have any last minute sentiments words complaints no um anything just like ryan said thank you guys for listening yeah episode 54 season two season two of the no chance podcast thank you um thank you guys appreciate it thank you yes be sure to follow us on all of our social channels at no chance podcast you can follow me nate and shit maybe you want to follow melanie too you can follow us individually um you know where to find us and we'll be here every friday so catch us next week peace later peace